Hello and uh, welcome to a special TES podcast about uh, today's A-level results. Uh, my name's Martin George, I'm joined by Dave Speck. Hi Dave. Hi, hi Martin. Will Hazel. Hi Will. Hello. And Catherine Luff. Hi Catherine. Hello. Welcome to your first podcast. Um, so, uh, now I know Will and Catherine, uh, you had to get up early this morning, you were locked in a room um, to <laughs> see all the results and furiously type them mm. up by the 9 9.30 embargo. Yes. What were the big stories that have come out today? Well, there's quite a few of them, actually. Um, so I guess our lead story today was what happened to grades at the top end. So there was a fall in both the um, proportion of entries getting A-stars, which has fallen to its lowest level since 2013. There was also a even bigger fall in the number of entries getting above an A, uh, which was down by almost a full percentage point. So that was quite striking. Um, Catherine did a story on what was happening with um, male and female entries, which is always a, a talking point. Um, so girls have overtaken um, in grades above an A, um, although they haven't overtaken boys um, at the A star grade. Um, but it's interesting because it kind of shows that even though um, you know it's been suggested that the new linear style of uh, kind of exams heavy assessment would uh, sort of benefit boys over girls, um, you know, kind of one year in as more of the exams bed in, it doesn't seem to be having that that great an impact. So that kind of stereotype that people have about the different way that boys and girls work and succeed in exams, not really borne out. Hasn't been so far. I think that's interesting. Um, there's also, I mean, sticking with the, the, the gender gap here, um, science was interesting this year in terms of um, the proportion of, of genders entering. Yes, yes. So for the first time ever, a majority, a, a narrow majority of entries were female. Um, so 50.3% of science entries this year were female. And lots of people see that as a big success for the concerted push, which has happened in recent years to get more uh, girls studying science. Um, it's been something which we've written a lot about at TES, um, how stereotypes about um, the uh, the kind of right subjects for boys and girls or um, subjects which boys and girls have traditionally done in the past, how that has been, many people have seen that as a barrier to um, kind of access um, for girls in science. And finally, we've seen actually that sort of balance kind of tilt towards something which is a bit more equal. And it's really interesting actually looking at the the entries in across the three main sciences. So girls are sort of in um, a strong majority of entries for chemistry and biology they're still lagging quite a way behind boys in physics I think there's only about 22% of entries um, for physics A um, A level was girls this year that's still quite stark isn't it still quite stark but actually there's been uh, there was a bigger increase in the number of um, female entries in physics a bigger uh, than 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 the increase in male entries and the same in chemistry and it's and it's that which has sort of tipped the balance for the first time but that we also saw an increase in um, science entries more generally so the it looks like the, the government's kind of agenda to push stem subjects is bearing fruit yeah i think i saw was there a, a dfe press release which was that was what it was highlighting was more entries yeah. in science they didn't trumpet so much the fall in entries in um maths and english 
Um, Catherine, I think the, the, the drop in entries in English in particular has been a bit of a talking point. It's been, yeah, it's been it's been a real concern, I think, particularly for kind of subject associations like the National Association for Teaching of English and, and teaching unions. Um, and I know we've we've recently covered uh, some comments from Jeff Barton of, of Askell sort of saying that part of the reason for this is possibly the, the uninspiring content at English GCSE, um, particularly English language GCSE. So most of that fall at A-level. Uh, is from English language A level. Um, I think it's it's almost twenty two percent drop since last year in English language, um, but in literature it's still quite significant as well. It's it's around seven percent. So um, I think I think you know it has been suggested that the the content uh, of the English GCSE kind of involving memorization of of quotes and 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 sort of it, it being quite dry has led to less students feeling uh, inspired to take the subject any further. So for some, that's sort of the, the, the Michael Gove legacy from you know, much earlier this decade still working its way through the system, if that is the reason for this, I guess. Um, there's also um, languages. Um, tell us about Spanish and French. What, what happened there, somebody? So Will. we saw, for the first time ever, again, and Spanish overtaking French in the number of entries. That was because there was an increase of, I think, about... Four percent. I'm not sure if I got that right. It was four percent or four thousand new entries. No, it must be must be four percent. Um, and there was a corresponding decline in French entries. So that has meant that Spanish um, is now the biggest language subject, um, which I'm sure will be good news to Dave, who's a former Spanish teacher. Well, it's no surprise really. What people will say is that 14 million Brits go to Spain on holiday each year, which is a lot more than go to France. And then you've got the Spanish football, um, the films, that the, the American influence of, you know, and the Spanish in, in America, yeah. which is through music and film, which is, you know, infiltrating our culture. So um, and that's understandable to me. It, and it's an easier language than French, I think, Spanish. It's, you, you, you pronounce it as you write it. As I understand it, whereas French is all these kind of letters that you don't pronounce, and I, it's kind of always put me off. And, I, and me too, I'll say. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but it, yeah. was, it was quite interesting that the core languages, um, which is seen as French, Spanish, and German, they were kind of treading water uh, this year. So, as I said, French down, Spanish up, German basically the same, which, again, is not fantastic news, but because we have seen a bit of a kind of trend of decline, I think people saw that, um, certainly at the, uh, at the exam boards, has been quite positive. But interestingly, I think there was a quite a big falling off in some of the kind of minor languages. So I think we, there was actually a very big drop in Chinese entries in, in A-level, and, and I think Russian too, which is quite quite interesting. No idea of why yet, mm. but... Yeah, I'd like to find out why. I was going to say, I mean, that, that Chinese one sounds pretty counterintuitive, mm. given the... The growing strength of China that we and we've seen big increases at GCSE um, in Chinese. Actually, I think last year Chinese overtook German um, when it yes. came to GCSE, but it doesn't seem to be happening at A level. Now, maybe a slight surprise to readers, but let's talk about last year's um, maths A levels um, because Will, you you reported today about uh, something quite quite worrying, I think, um, from Ofqual. Yes, so. We had, for the majority of students sitting the reformed Maths A level, sat it this year. 
um, and they'd have been studying that for two years. But there was actually a relatively small number of students who sat that new reformed maths A-level last year. So they took it, most of them, at the age of 17, um, and after only one year's study. And this is because, I think, for a long time, uh, very able mathematicians have taken the maths A-level a year early. So in their kind of second year, in year 13, they can study further maths. And so there was this small group of students who sat the, the A-level last year. And we had this announcement from Ofqual today saying that they've actually looked at the, the grade boundaries um, for those students who sat it last year, these very able students, and the kind of much bigger cohort who sat it this year. And they've basically found that there seems to be a potential discrepancy in those grade boundaries. And they're going to be investigating this, but it looks like there is a chance that there are a number of students last year who were graded more harshly than Ofqual thinks is appropriate. And we don't know exact figures yet, but I understand this could affect a couple of hundred students who basically received a grade last year, which now, after a kind of a, uh, a year's hindsight, um, the, the exam regulator thinks that that grade might not be correct for that student which is, as you said, is quite worrying. And we've obviously got to sort of note that these are students who they've applied to, lots, lots of them will have applied to university. They will be going to university in a month um, and they will be potentially going to university on the basis of a grade, which might not have been the right grade for them. So, so I mean, are we expecting some time that these students might get those grades changed retrospectively? Potentially, yeah. So... The exam boards are kind of holding the line and they've said that they think that they made the right decision last year. Uh, and actually Ofqual asked them to have a look at their grading and they all of the exam boards basically said, we've looked at it and we're not going to change our award from last year. We think it was the right judgment. But Ofqual are going to be doing this investigation. We don't know when they're going to be reporting. But yes, theoretically, and if, if Ofqual finds that there was an issue then you could have students getting their their grades bumped up um and but again it's you know this will be happening we will have to have wait and see how long it takes to um for for the review to kind of feed through but too too late for some I imagine exactly yeah so so I mean I can almost hear the the vast audience of lawyers who listen to this podcast <laughs> thinking, right, are there kids who, you know, have got, got to a, a lesser university or not their first preference university because of this? Yeah. It's too late. They're there. They're settled. You, it opens up quite a Pandora's box. It does. Potentially. Yeah. yeah. Now, Dave, um, while these two were locked in their uh, briefing this morning, you were out in Luton. Well, I had a trip out to out of London, uh, up, up north, just a slightly up the M1 to Luton, and I went to Chalk Hills Academy, um, where I was made to feel very welcome. And I was speaking to teachers and students there, um, and uh, just to sort of get some reaction on the ground, you know, to actually meet teachers face to face and then find out what, what's going on. And the first thing I picked up was that... Um, the reformed A levels have, have increased teacher workload. This this is, seems evident, um, and but yet teachers have coped very well under big strain. And I spoke to somebody called Leanne Riley Goff, who's assistant head of sixth form there, and 
she sort of pointed out that there's more subject knowledge going into the same amount of time um, and that there's been a kind of a huge, re well, she didn't say huge reform, she said there's been a reform of everything from structure, planning, delivery. Um, and this has put strain on teachers, um, but yet they've coped well. Mm. And head teacher um, Louise Lee, she, she said that staff had been had to go on training courses and, to, and, and so on and so forth to make sure they understand fully the changes that, that, that are happening. But despite this, you know, the, the, the grades have improved on last year. And, um, and and Louise has sort of come out with this quote, which which I tweeted earlier, it's quite a nice one. She said, there's no greater honour than knowing you've supported your students to the best of your ability and that you're helping them, helping them on their journey through life. Um, which was, uh, it was quite a, you know, it was quite um, inspirational to, 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 to meet them. Uh, but the other thing I picked up was this business about in unconditional offers from universities, which are um, leading to pupil apathy mm. in the school reports that there were a handful of students who got their unconditional offers early in the year and they thought, oh, well, I'm going to get a place now. I might as well put my feet up a bit and take it, take it easy. Um, but how wrong they were because the school was very quick to point out that um, universities can still change their mind, they can still withdraw the offer. And um, Leanne Riley-Goff, assistant head of sixth form again, she, she said that um, what they did was that we showed them the small print, right. which, which says that if a whole raft of students come along with better grades, then a university can withdraw their offer. Um, and, then, and then head teacher Louise Lee says that... Um, She'd like to see universities rethinking this business about making unconditional offers because, you know, the, the information that students study at A-level is essential to some in their later careers. And if you're looking at engineering, you know, medicine, sciences, you know, it's, it's something you learn at A-level. It's something that you rely, it carries you through life. So if you've got students kicking back, they're going to have a lie, you know, I'll miss that Monday morning, you know. And mm. it, it, it's kind of not... Not very healthy, really. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, I mean, it's been a, a national news, hasn't it? You know, concerned about unconditional offers. But I mean, hearing you know, on the ground, individual yeah. students at a school, you know, it, it, it's not an abstract thing. And it's just saying really sort of concrete consequences. Well, that's right. It, it's good to get it on the ground from, you know, somebody face to face to just to, you know, to, to, to learn from the horse's mouth the exact yeah. what's going on, really. Um, but a very interesting trip. Thanks for looking after me. Yeah. Um, What's the atmosphere they like, by the way? Was it, a... I, I, it was. It wasn't the tears and screaming and hugging each other. It was fairly, fairly quiet. And I think the thing is, nowadays, students already know where they've yeah. got their place because they get an email mm. at one minute past midnight. The university, they, they already know what grades they've got, so they, they kind of know what's happening. But there was one girl, and we've got some video of her actually today, and she, she didn't get the grades she needed, but. While I was there, she was ringing clearing. She looked really kind of um, stressed out. Yeah. But then we got some video of her later on, and she just got the, got into where she wanted, despite not having the grades. I think she got a place at Middlesex University. And so that was a really good, nice story. And we, we sort of captured the moment, if you, yeah. if you watch our video. Um, uh, that's, that was quite uplifting, really. But there was no hugging and screaming, and I think, yeah, I think you get that next there. week, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I think when I did this last year, I think for a lot of the students, they, or they, they knew where they were going, but they wanted to come back almost to see their friends for the last time or see the teachers and say thank you to the teachers as well. So yeah. it's obviously a, a poignant, bittersweet day for, I think, a lot of teachers and, and students as well. 
Um, talking of poignant and bittersweet, that's the end of today's podcast. And we ought to say, I think worth mentioning, that Martin, it is your last podcast today. And also, we're losing Will Hazel today. It's, it's a quite a sad moment. Um, what, I mean, you, you must have done maybe 70, 80 podcasts over the last year and a half, Martin. It's, it's going to be... This has been part of your life, hasn't it? I mean, <laughs> it has been a part of my life. Many a shirts have been ironed to the, the soothing sound of my voice over the past year and a half, I think. Um, but, Dave, let me, let me hand you the podcast pen oh. as you, you take over the podcast chair. I think we'd better leave it there before I start crying. Um, thanks very much. Thanks, Martin. 